0: good to see you, and I didn't realize Linda was doing the prayer this morning. I appreciate the fact she did it, of course, but now you've got to put up with both of us on the same Sunday morning. (laughs) This morning, it's my pleasure to introduce a person that you have had teach us several times before. That always does a great job. I've got one little bit of information that you may not know in regard to Tom, but Tom... And Martha used to be our backdoor neighbors many years ago when we, before we got transferred to Texas. Tell any secrets now. I'm stopping <laughs> there. Because it could go both ways, so I'm stopping there. But if you will, please, welcome Tom. Yeah, thank you very much, Al. It was a pleasure being your neighbor, my friend. Um, a little secret you might not know about, Al. Did you <laughs> Did you know that Al was on the Roswell City Council? Yep. True. Yeah. Um was okay. Crooked. Um what's <laughs> that Al? I said was he crooked? <laughs> no, he was not. He was not. <laughs> he 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 was not. Okay. Um several weeks ago I, I talked to you you about um, a little uh, Bruce Wilkinson book called The Secrets of the Vine. Um, I thought it was a, a very important book. Uh, he does a great job of presenting um, the message of the Lord in a very concise way. And uh, um, I'd like to follow up on that lesson with another Bruce Wilkinson book today. But before we get into that, let's talk a little bit about a review. Um, the basis for the secrets of the vine was uh, a very familiar uh, um, message from the Gospel of John and this is just part of it I am the vine you are the branches if a man remains in me and I in him he will bear much fruit but apart from me you can do nothing um, you remember the great, great vine that we, we had on the screen that um, uh, it had three, ban- three excuse me three branches um, the first branch, For no fruit at all. The second branch was bearing some fruit. And the third branch was bearing fruit abundantly. And today we'll pick up on that last branch. We'll talk about bearing fruit abundantly. Um, We left off with the third secret of the vine. And that was, if if your life bears much fruit, God will invite you to abide more deeply with him. And today we'll talk about the second Bruce Wilkinson book, the prayer of Jabez. Um, Jabez was a guy, an Old Testament character that was interested in having his territory expanded. And as we go through the lesson today, you'll see how he invited God to participate with him in that expanded territory. Um, and that is the, the the message of the of the uh, of the prayer of Jabez. Um, and as we look at this. Uh, prayer. Uh, we 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 need to think in terms of where Jabez was. We know very very little about him. His prayer shows up in the first uh, book, First Chronicles, uh, chapter four, if I'm not mistaken. Now, if you're familiar with the Old Testament, um, First Chronicles is not going to be one of your favorites. Um, Malone, I doubt if you ever had a sermon. Based on any parts of the first nine chapters of Chronicles. I've been that desperate yet. No, I don't. First Chronicles starts with Adam, and it chases, chase, it traces the genealogy of the Hebrew people from then on up to the present time when Chronicles was written. The first nine chapters is an endless verse after verse of so and so begot so and so, and his father was so and so. All right. Right in the middle of all of this, we find the prayer of Jabez. And you look at the thing and you say, my gosh, how did this little part about Jabez get into all of this sequence of chrono- chronological uh, stuff? Well, it did. And uh, I'm going to read you the prayer. It's in Chronicles 9, 4, uh, 1 Chronicles 9 through 10. I haven't got it on the screen because I want you to pay attention to me as, as I read it. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers his mother had named him Jabez saying I gave birth to him in pain as it turns out the name Jabez means pain in Hebrew okay Jabez cried out to the God of Israel oh that you would bless me and enlarge my territory let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain and God granted his request that's all We don't hear anything more about Jabez anywhere else in the Bible. He's not mentioned in the Gospels. As far as we know, Jesus never paid any attention to that little prayer of Jabez. He disappears. We don't know who his father was. We don't know anything about his children. We just know this little bit about Jabez. And it doesn't tell us a whole lot. First of all, Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. When Jabez was born, his mother experienced a very painful delivery. Jabez asked God to bless him and expand his territory, and God granted his request. Um, on the surface, you may say this was a pretty self-serving prayer. My gosh, what salesman would not want his territory expanded, right? And who of us would want to be free from pain? Well, the meaning of the prayer of Jabez goes a whole lot further than these few little words. And Bruce Wilkinson um Puts the meaning behind uh, this this prayer in a very very special way. Um, this was the NIV that I, uh, I I read earlier, and later on in our lesson we'll look at the American Standard version that Bruce Wilkinson uses to interpret this prayer in a little bit different way. Um, we we said that this prayer might be self-serving. Uh, I mean, if God gave Jabez more territory, that territory had to come from somebody else, right? It might have even been Jabez brothers. Um, Let's assume that Jabez was a cattle farmer and he was raising cattle and doing pretty well in this business. But he realized that he could make more money if God expanded his territory and he got larger pasture lands that could raise more cattle. Um, That might be the expense of his brothers. Who knows? Somebody else probably owned this land. Um, The initial question is, would God have a problem with that? And the answer is a resounding no. God would have no problem expanding Jabez' territory, even at the expense of his brothers, if that if God was the center of that expanded territory. Um, think about the parable of the talents that's in the uh, Gospel of Matthew. The servant you're familiar with this, of course. the uh, the The master goes away, and he leaves his his funds, his property in uh, the, under the responsibility of a few of a few servants. Uh, The first servant does real well, and the second one does real well. The third servant didn't do anything. He buried the talent or the money or whatever it was in the sand and waited for his master to come back. Um, You remember the first servant when he came back. He was blessed, and he was given additional responsibility. But the secret here is that it was still the master's money. Um, Let's think about that. In a few Sundays, we're going to be preparing um, pledge cards for the coming year. Think about that theme when you prepare your your pledge card. Think about the fact that everything that we have, our wealth, our happiness, our very being, is a gift from God. And when we leave this place, we're not going to take it with us. It's all a part of God's gift. God is expecting us to return 10%, but he's leaving us with 90%. What kind of deal is that? Fantastic. Okay, Um, in my lesson on the secrets of the vine... I said that uh, the turning point of abundant living is when we can control, can turn control of our, our plans, our wealth, our lives over to God. Then we will begin to live abundantly. And that is the story of Jabez. Um, God wants us to bear much fruit. That was the secret of the vine. God wants to be our partner in producing that fruit. But he wants to be the senior partner. And that gets into the prayer of Jabez. Um, i got a next little slide up here that says that who is in control here? Jabez was willing to control, turn control over to God. And Wilkinson says he expresses the prayer a little bit different from the way it was presented in the prayer of Jabez. Oh, my God and King, please expand my opportunities and my impact in such a way that I may touch more lives for your glory. Let me do more for you. Um, you may say that that's expanding the prayer of Jabez beyond anything that is in the scripture. And that's probably right. And my answer to that is, so be it. Bruce Wilkinson was a servant of God, and he presented all of this in a very special book called The Prayer of Jabez. It went to the number one slot on the New York Times bestseller list about 10 years ago. A very popular book. And if it if it expands the scripture, so be it. It interprets them in a very, very special way. Um, Jay Jabez was asking for an expanded territory. I said that if he was a salesman, he might have to take territory away from somebody else. Or if it was a pasture and he was a cattle farmer, that might have to come from somebody else. Um, But Jabez was willing to let God have a role in his development of that new territory. He wasn't specific. He wasn't asking for a parking place at the mall. He wasn't asking for a winning lottery ticket. He was just asking for an expanded opportunity to serve God in the way that is certainly expressed by um, Bruce Wilkinson. Excuse me just a minute. Marco Rubio moment. (laughs) So the question that we have is, who is in control here? Is God going to be in control of our expanded territory, or are we going to maintain control? Um, Bruce Wilkinson is, is, presents this in the, the form of a simple formula that I'll get to in just a minute. But the, the center here, this is the little vine that I had three weeks ago. And we, we've we got the, 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 the branch on the right that we talked a, bit, a good bit about last time about how God encouraging, encourages us to discipline ourselves to manage our lives in such a way that we're having more of an opportunity to serve God. On, and we said that God does that through encouraging us through the Holy Spirit that dwells in us. The third branch, the one that we're talking about today, the branch that's producing much fruit, God the Holy Spirit then is leading us as opposed to just encouraging us, nudging us through our conscience to devote more time to him, he's actually leading us in the production of great deals of fruit for the expansion of his kingdom. Um, That's the story of the second branch, but now I wanted to talk too about Bruce Wilkinson's simple equation that represents this, and this is right out of the book. The magic formula for abundant living, my willingness and my weaknesses, plus God's will and supernatural power equal my expanded territory. Without putting God's will and supernatural power into our lives, we cannot achieve the abundant living that God wants for us. It's interesting to me that Bruce Wilkinson pointed out his willingness to serve, but also his weaknesses. And all of us think about the talents that we have, but we also have weaknesses as well. God's will in our lives enables us to overcome those weaknesses in a ways, the way that is, that is very special. As Christians, we have a simple mission in life. We're all given talents. We're all given certain gifts. And we're expected to use those gifts to produce good things for God. That's our Christian mission. Be it serving um, with homestretch, being going on a mission trip, or being actively involved in evangelism or job networking, we're expected to use those gifts for the glory of God. Going to the abundant living phase is when we really let God lead us in the use of those uh, talents and also in the overcoming of those weaknesses that limit our ability. Too often we think in terms of what can I do within my own self. And that's good in a way, and that's sort of where I am, to be honest with you. But the next step, the abundant living thing that Jabez understood was in terms of letting God lead us and challenge us to step out of our comfort zone and do greater things that's abundant living. Let me give you a couple of examples. Um, a few years ago, two le- two ladies in our church, Sally Gresham and uh, uh, Beth uh, Casey, had a vision. Their idea was to establish a mission in in Kenya in Africa that not only provided for the services, for the needs of the people there, but also trained Christian ministers that could go back into their own local uh, villages to teach the word of God. Um, do you think that these two ladies could have accomplished that without the will of God? Could they have done it on their own? No way. I mean, these were talented ladies. I knew them both. These were talented ladies, but without God's help, they could never... Have accomplished what they did in developing the Divine Providence Training Center in Kenya. It just would not have happened. They had to have god's will god's power, and god's spiritual um, uh, supernatural power behind them to accomplish that. Um, you talk about expanded territory, I mean these leaders had a sphere of influence that was probably limited to the Roswell area, maybe into North Georgia, but with god's strength. They were able to expand that territory into effectively um, a worldwide effort, certainly hitting a lot of people in Kenya that never would have been touched otherwise. Think about the early church. After Pentecost, or before Pentecost, we had 12 disciples out there that were fishermen. And we know that uh, uh, when Jesus died and before he first appeared to them for the first time, what did they do? They went fishing. Um, but when the Lord appeared to them, they began to pick up on the mission of establishing a new church. At Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came down upon them, and these 12 guys, 12 guys that were basically uneducated and very limited in their uh, influence in the community, were suddenly empowered to establish the church and change the world. Um, could that have happened without the Spirit of God? Could that have happened without God leading them? I don't think so. Think about all of the problems in the last 2,000 years that our church has experienced um, through the Crusades, through Reformation, through um, all kinds of chisoms and uh, challenges to our church. Think about us today when we've got the government that seems to be uh, crowding us into the corner. You think it's going to defeat the power of God? No way. And that power of God is counting on us, God working through us to make it happen. Um, I think there's something very supernatural going on here. God's plan will not fail, and he's expecting us to help him. Bruce Wilkinson reminds us that God that God is there all the time, just waiting on us to ask him to help us. And that is the secret of making it all happen. God is there offering his leading hand. The problem is that so often we are not willing to turn control of our lives over to him and follow that leading hand. God wants us to do great things. Okay, Um, moving on. Let's get into another phase of the prayer of Jabez that I think is is also pretty significant for us today. Um, Bruce Wilkinson interprets the prayer of Jabez a little bit different. What I said earlier was to keep me from pain. Bruce Wilkinson says, keep me from temptation. And he gets this in this uh, scripture from the the NIV, the New International Version. Uh, That's, I'm sorry. This is in the American Standard Version. Excuse me. The American Standard Version interprets this as, and keep me from temptation that it would not be to my sorrow. How wise of Jabez to understand that if he got successful in his new territory, temptation might be a problem. Far too often in today's world, We see people of wealth and influence tempted to do things on their own. And we see it in politicians, we see it in businessmen, we see it in preachers. Um, Somehow the glamour of wealth and fame tempts us in very bad ways. Um, Most often, what we read about in the newspaper, are the sexual temptations. We read about that all the time. Um, I think there's another temptation there that maybe is a little bit more subtle. As we achieve a level of wealth and self-sufficiency, we do depend on ourselves. Um, It's so easy to look at our net worth and say, my gosh, there's a million dollars there. Why do I need God? I don't think we say that exactly in those terms, but we sure do do it in our actions. So often we're so wrapped up in our own abilities that we fail to see the need of God's guiding hand um net worth to me is a very deceiving term it's nice and comforting to look at our net worth and have some comfort there but when we get before the pearly gates what do you think our net worth is going to be there it's not going to be in dollars and cents we can't take it with us our net worth when we get to the pearly gates is going to be in terms of what was your character like what did you really do for the glory of god with the talents that you were given Forget about all of those treasures that you left on earth. What really makes the difference is the net worth in terms of integrity, honesty, faith, charity, love, all of those things that Paul named for us. You know what I'm talking about. Okay, Bruce Wilkinson reminds us that it is the very nature of the devil to deceive us. And I think that temptation is one way that we are so deceived and the devil knows how to do it. And he does does evil things for us because we are so easily deceived. Um, Bruce Wilkinson changes that part of J. Bear's prayer into words that I think are very, very special to us today, very applicable to our current lives. This is the way he talks about that. Lord, keep me safe from temptations that pull at my emotions and my physical needs. That call out to my sense of what I deserve, what I have a right to feel and enjoy. Sound familiar? Boy, did to me. Hit me between the eyes. He goes on. Because you are the true source of all that is real life. Direct my steps away from all that is not of you. Boy, what words could be more meaningful for us today when we're bombarded by television ads all the time that say, You deserve this. Uh Uh-huh. What right does that guy have to say what I deserve? I hope he doesn't really influence me as I go through and listen to those TV ads. Okay, Um, a few weeks ago, Bob Moore talked to our class and presented a couple of lessons on Dietrich Bonhoeffer. I was really impressed with that. Bob did a great job. And I think the Dietrich Bonhoeffer story um, relates very well to the prayer of Jabez here. You remember that Dietrich Bonhoeffer was from a very wealthy family. He was a Christian theologian in World War II, and he was challenged by the Germans because he was opposing the Nazi effort there. Um, He could very well have been tempted to use his family's influence and certainly their wealth to escape from the Nazis. He could have turned his back on his Christian faith and... Um, escaped all of the pain and, and and horror that he occurred that he he um, would incur in the Nazi prisons. He didn't. Um, he died in the Nazi prison. He certainly felt the the pain of um of of um, of isolation from his family from all of his friends when he was confined there. He died there. He left behind a legacy of Christian statements, Christian books, sermons prayers, whatever, that are an inspiration to all of us. And Bob presented one that is almost a riddle, but I think that it speaks very, very much to um, uh, the, the lesson that we've got today. This is what he left, and bear with me as I read this, understand these words, Christianity, Christianity teaches us the infinite worth of that which is seemingly worthless and the finite worthlessness of that which seems so valued how true to all for all of us today. Okay. In The Secrets of the Vine and also in the prayer of Jabez, Bruce Wilkinson relates his own life experience. And he says thus, says that in sometimes, sometimes as we follow God's leading hand, we have to leave behind some of the things that mean the most to us, and that's painful. Let's face it. Um Bruce Wilkinson was born in 1940. You're uh, familiar with what he did here in Atlanta with his Walk Through the Bible program. He touched the lives. He started that program when he was about, I think, 27 years old, something like that, relatively young, and achieved a great deal of success and fame with the Walk Through the Bible program. Um, And I'm sure that there was some wealth associated with that. Um, He says that after all of these years at Walk Through the Bible, He realized one day that this was the total focus of his life. It was easy for him to manage Walk Through the Bible program. He had been doing doing it for a long time. He also understood that all of his ego, the things that made him feel real good about himself, were associated with Walk Through the Bible. And at age 58, he walked away from all of that. He said it was the most difficult thing he ever had to do. Because he did walk away from everything that was comfortable, everything that was stroking his ego every day, and move into a new section of ministry. started over, he felt the hand of God leading him away from walk through the Bible. He said that with all of his ego, he would say that um, walk through the Bible is going to fall apart if I leave. Lots of luck. It didn't happen. God continued to provide people to leave walked through the Bible program. It didn't fall in his face, so his ego took a little setback. How often we see that happen. But he moved into a new ministry called World Teach, and the goal of World Teach was to establish a program training Christian teachers throughout the world, somewhat similar to uh, the uh, New Providence Training Center, where we train ministers to go um, into, back into their villages. But the World Teach program would be all of the world. Well, Bruce Wilkinson died before he achieved all of the pro- all of the plans for that program. But the program that he started today has established 38 uh, offices in 38 countries where they are teaching Christian teachers how to go out into the community and teach in their native language. Most of these offices are in uh, Muslim countries. They're in the Middle East where the Muslim influence is tremendous. And the idea of having a training center for Christian teachers to go out in the community is dynamite to me. But Bruce said that leaving, walk through the Bible was the most difficult thing he had to do. But he felt that God was leading him that way. And yeah. <clears throat> so, he, so he moved in that direction. He died in, in 2011 at age 71. He left behind a legacy of books. And prayers and these three little books that I'm talking about this morning, we're talking about two of them today, second one today. There's a third one that um, I hope I'll have a lesson put together for you sometime uh, in the spring um, called um, A Life That God Rewards. And isn't that a, fi- a fine climax to think in terms of following up on the prayer of Jabez? Anyway, Bruce left behind um, that legacy. He followed the leading hand of God in everything that he did. He says that the prayer of Jabez led his life from he, from when he started in seminary. He used that simple little prayer of Jabez as his morning prayer every day of his life since he left seminary. And you can see the outstanding results that it inspired him to achieve. Okay, I've got another example. And this was in the paper last week. Um... And you may have seen it in the paper. Actually, I came across it um, about a month ago when Martha's cousin in Florida uh, sent it to me in an email. That uh, boy it hit me between the eyes, and I said, "I got to tell CUC about this." You remember 43 years ago when we first put a man on the moon? Actually, there were two men: Buzz Aldrin and um, um, Armstrong. Armstrong, what's his name? Neil. Neil Armstrong. Thank you. Buzz Aldrin was a an outstanding uh, Christian, a very strong Christian, and when he was planning this mission about two months before they took off on this trip to the moon, he realized that this was going to be a very significant moment up there, and he wanted to do something very, very special for God when he got to the moon, and he said, what better way to celebrate this journey and give glory to God than to have communion it would be the first meal served on the moon. So he went to NASA and had to tell him what the plan was. And of course you can imagine NASA's reaction. No way, no way. We are not going to do that. Um, as it, as it turned out, um, the, the government at that point in time was, uh, in the middle of a great deal of court challenges and that kind of thing from a lady named Madeline Murray O'Hara. Uh, the uh, well-known atheist that was challenging anything Christian that the government was involved with. So, NASA said no. Sending a Christian message from the moon was just not the thing to do. Well, Bruce Alden would not be deterred. He thought it was the thing to do, and he was proceeded to do it. He went to his minister. He had communion elements consecrated. And he smuggled them aboard the safe craft, spacecraft to the moon. And on the moon, and right in accordance with uh, NASA's uh, orders and instructions, he sent a very politically correct message back to the people on Earth. And this is what he said. I'd like to take this opportunity to ask every person listening to pause for a moment and contemplate the events of the past few hours and give thanks in his or own special way. How vanilla can you get? But then when the moon turned away from the earth, when all communications with the earth and Houston were cut off, you remember that period? Do you remember where you were when we first put the man on the moon I do? We had that period of darkness when the moon turned and that's when Buzz Aldrin took out his communion elements and had his spiritual time of communion on the moon. Um, This is the scripture that he used as a part of that. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me will bring forth much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Amazing story here. To me, the spiritual impact of that was dynamite. And I think that the secret thing, the thing that appeals so much to me is that when Buzz Aldrin had that communion with God, he was totally cut off from any of the earthly treasures, any of the powers, any of the technology back on Earth. It was him and God. So who won this debate, the debate between Buzz Aldrin and Madeline Murray O'Hara? Buzz Aldrin was able to communicate with his God. Madeline Murray O'Hara is still on the dark side of the moon up there. So what about us? All of us aren't called upon to go to the moon. All of us aren't called upon to um, establish a Christian mission in, in Africa. But all of us have talents that God has given us. And God wants to lead us in the utilization of those talents in the very special way that brings glory to him. We have to be prepared to stretch beyond our capabilities. We have to be prepared to go out of our comfort zone. That obviously is the challenge facing us in CUC. When we looked at the secrets of the vine, I said that most everybody in this room today is on that second branch. We're all producing some, some fruit for the glory of God. But God wants us to go to the third branch, and God wants us to be prepared to lead, let him lead us and if we say the prayer of Jabez and really expect to be led into the new territory that we're wanting God to open up to us, we better be ready. You remember when he called Moses? Moses wasn't ready. Moses did not want to go. Oh, no, 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 man. You've got to be talking about somebody else here. I am not about to lead the Hebrew people out of slavery in Egypt, but he did. So I think that all of that is the message of the Secret of the Vine, and the Prayer of Jabez, that God wants to lead us. God is expecting us to use the talents that he's giving us, but he wants to be in charge. And what a challenge that presents to all of us. Max Lucado has written another little book called The Applause in Heaven. And Max Lucado says that each time we do something really good down here on earth, God has a bunch of angels in heaven that is applauding for us. Uh, To me, that's dynamite. That uh, the, the, the idea of angels in heaven looking down and saying, gee, money, Buzz Aldrin did something great down there. Let's all clap. I just think that is, uh, sends, sends a real thrilling message to me. So end of story. Um, that is the prayer of Jabez as presented by, um, Bruce Wilkinson. And it, to me, it's, a, it, it's a very exciting, valuable lesson. The next phase of it. Next, The next little book in the series is A Life That God uh, uh, Rewards. And when I get through studying that, I'll have a lesson prepared for you. And maybe I can come back and talk to you in six months or so. Let's close with a prayer. Dear Lord, you have blessed us in so many ways. We look to you as our creator, the source of everything that is good in our lives. Keep us focused on you as we move through Our lives, as we continue on our spiritual journey, you've brought us so far, but still we have so far to go. And we think in terms of our net worth, keep us focused on the things that really matter. Think in terms of the portfolio that we have in heaven, where dust and moth cannot destroy, where thieves cannot take away or steal. Lead us, but make us also be willing to be led. We ask these things in Christ's holy name. Amen. And leaving today with a thought, and Tom has said, you know, we need to get motivated and start challenges, meeting these things. And my thought for the day that I had picked before hearing Tom's lesson is, you know, in the business world, we're all probably aware of Zig Ziglar and his motivational things. Well, he has a well-known quote out and says, people often say that motivation doesn't last. Well, neither does bathing. That's why we, re- that's why we recommend it daily. Okay. Y'all have a good week and see you next weekend.